Now, if we were to play a word association game at this stage, and I said, what is the first thing that comes into your mind when I say Jonah? Yeah, I expect it will either be a fish, or with the children's books, a whale. Because Jonah and the whale is the dramatic part of the story. And that tends to be the bit we know about him. But there is so much more about Jonah to know. So first, who was he? Well, we don't really know a lot, except he lived in a place called Galhepta, which is a town which is conveniently just up the coast from Joppa, which is where he was going to get his boat from. And in both Jonah and the second book of Kings, chapter 14, we learn that he was the son of Amitar, and we also learn that he was a prophet of the Lord God. He lived during the reign of Jeroboam II, and he was a king who did evil in the Lord's sight and had turned Israel away from the Lord. And Jonah had gone to prophesy against him. And then in the New Testament, in Matthew and Luke, Jesus talks to the Pharisees of the sign of Jonah, of having been in the belly of the fish for three days and nights as dead before returning to life to preach in Nineveh. And Jesus uses this to foretell of what was going to happen to him. So that's Jonah. But what do we know about Nineveh? Well, Nineveh was first recorded in the Bible way back in Genesis, chapter 10, verse 11, if you want to find it where it talked about the building of several great cities, including Nineveh and Babylon was also mentioned. But Nineveh became known as the great city. And we know that from 700 BC until 620 BC, it was the capital of Assyria. And it was 500 miles north of where Jonah lived. Now, Nineveh did not have a very good reputation. In fact, its reputation was for extreme cruelty for those who it captured, and it almost wore its badge of cruelty as a badge of sort of power and courage. Now, if you wanted to find out more about Nineveh, you can also read about that in the book of Nahum. Again, another very short Old Testament thing, because Nahum's book is all about the vision of concerning Nineveh. The country of Assyria was bordering Israel to the north, and there was no love lost between the Jews and the Assyrians, and it was actually not a place that any Jew would contemplate to go. So then, here comes God's call to Jonah. Go to Nineveh and preach against their evil ways. Jonah, go to Nineveh and tell about the Lord, your Lord God. Well, of all the places God could have called Jonah to go, this place would have been probably very close to the bottom of his list. So what was Jonah's response to God? Did he say, yes, Lord, of course I'll go? Or, what? Go to Nineveh. Nineveh, you must be joking. I'm not going to that evil place. Let it rot in hell. 
What can I do anyway? I know I'll be torn apart as soon as I step foot in that city. No, I'm not going there. What can I do? I know I'll go to Joppa. There must be a boat sailing for somewhere. I need to get away from here quick. Get away from God. A boat to Tarshish. Now, where's Tarshish? 2,000 miles to the east. Well, that'll probably do. Somewhere near Gibraltar. Oh, yes, that's a little bit away. What's the cost? Yes, I've got enough money. Right, one single to Tarshish, please. Are you sailing soon? I need to go quickly. Tomorrow morning? Yeah, okay, right. Get on board. So Jonah gets on board and starts his running away from God, who he probably saw as actually presiding in Israel. How far was he trying to get away from God? Well, probably as far as he possibly could in their known world. You could say Jonah didn't respond positively to God's call. So Jonah got in the boat. He went down below, rested and slept. Yet to the rest of the sailors, once they'd set sail, suddenly they were in the midst of this violent storm. A storm so severe that the sailors feared for their safety and the safety of their ship. Each of the sailors called to their own gods, but it was to no avail. The storm got worse, and so they threw their cargo overboard. The cargo which they would have paid for and the cargo which they would have depended on for pay to live, to support their families. Yet their fear was so great, they just threw that all away. But still the storm raged on. Now they're a superstitious lot, these sailors, and they thought somebody on board must have caused this storm. Somebody on board must have brought this trouble to us. And they did what was often general practice in their times. They cast lots. And it was probably no surprise that the lot fell with Jonah. So then they start question, questioning him. Are you responsible for this trouble? What did you do? Where have you come from? What country are you from? So Jonah tells his story. He's a Hebrew. He worships the Lord God of the heavens. And God asked me to go somewhere for him, but I'm uh, running away from him. Well, that was it. They knew then it must be Jonah's fault, this storm. They needed to get rid of Jonah off this boat. Jonah offers to be thrown overboard. And to be fair to the sailors, they did try to row to safety, but it wouldn't happen. And the storm was getting worse and worse. The ship was in danger of breaking up. And they could see their only option was to throw Jonah overboard. They saw that the storm was caused by Jonah's God, and they feared for their safety. 
They throw, and before they throw him overboard, because they don't want to do this, they say, look, Jonah's God, please, please don't kill us for throwing over this innocent man. And in the end, reluctantly, they throw him overboard. And the minute Jonah's thrown overboard, the sea start calms, the storm subsides. And the sailors in that instant know that Jonah's God was in control of the winds and the waves. They knew that Jonah's God was all-powerful. Jonah's God was the real God. And so they then turned, presented sacrifices, and made vows to worship him. Despite Jonah's disobedience, the sailors turned to God. But what happened to Jonah? He descended into the sea, into the raging sea. Jonah had accepted that this was his fate. He'd caused all this trouble. But even as Jonah was running away from God, God still provided for him. He provided a great big fish to swallow him up and remain in the fish for three days and nights. But more of that next week with Richard. <laughs> what a dramatic story this is. God's call to go to Nineveh, Jonah's response to run as far away from God as possible, the raging storm, the sailor's fear, the casting of lots, Jonah telling his story, him being thrown into the raging sea, the sea calming, the sailors turning to the Lord God, and Jonah being rescued by a big fish. At the centre of all the twists and turns of what was going on was God's unfailing love. Despite Jonah running away, God was still with Jonah. He would never let him go. He still loved him, and he provided for him in his moment of greatest need. So what we've heard of Jonah is a very exciting story so far. But more importantly, what relevance does it have to us? And as I was preparing, the three things came to me, linked from what had happened to Jonah. As God called Jonah, so God calls us. Jonah made his response to God, and we too make our response to God. And as just as God provided for Jonah, so God provides for us. So firstly, God's call. God calls us to love him and to share his love. And God's call to Jonah seemed very clear, as if, if it was somebody shouting almost in his ear. And that sentence, one sentence, if you like, was to change his life forever. But what about us? Does God still call us today? If he hadn't done, I wouldn't be standing here now. So yes, he definitely does. Does he prompt us to work for him? 
Firstly, he calls us to love him and to follow him. And God is always waiting with open arms to love us even when we ignore him and run away. And then God calls us to speak for him and act for him, to work for him and to share the message of his love. To be called by God can seem very scary, as we may often think he only calls prophets, preachers, teachers. But that is not the case. God calls us all to share his love in our own situation. We may be prompted to phone someone who is ill, to go and visit a friend, to care for someone who we know is in need, to support somebody who needs help, to offer prayer for illness or difficult circumstances, to pray for the work of the church, to use our skills or talents within the church, to walk behind a do-you-know-him float in the gala, to stand on that field for six hours, whatever it was yesterday, speaking to people, to help with the street work for the hashtag do you know him on the high street. Or you may be challenged throughout what next that we're looking at here at St Andrews, to be involved on the worship day, to be involved in the caring and pastoral meeting that's coming up, to see where St Andrews is going next. God does still call people to preach, teach and prophesy and minister but we all have our own individual tasks to do. And then there's the question, how does he call us? God continues to speak to us through his Holy Spirit and through the Bible and his word as we read it and through the prayers. But sometimes it isn't a big blinding light that's stuck in front of your face. It may be a word that somebody said to you that just lingers and grows. A voice speaking to you. A logo on a poster that just keeps sticking in your mind. Could be a blinding flash. An email we receive, an image. God calls us in as many different ways as there are people. And to as many different and varied tasks. And all are important to grow his kingdom of love. So the question is this. Has God been calling me? Has God been calling you? Has he been calling us to love him, to love him more, or has he been calling us to action, to a task, to an opportunity, to share his message and his love in a more practical way? What is God calling us to do here at St Andrews? And secondly, what is our response? We know of Jonah's response. He ran away. But what of us? Well, let me tell you of an experience of mine, how I came to be a local preacher. As I look back over the years, I can probably see several times, perhaps many, when God called me to be a local preacher. And each time I managed to avoid the call. And I thought the same was true the last time. There was a poster put up in the hall about a meeting advertised for those interested in local preaching. 
And every time I went into our church hall, it almost seems it came out and hit me between the eyes, as if it was moving. Wherever I went in the hall, it still seemed to be there. Well, I thought I did well, because I actually managed to arrange something on that day of the meeting, so that was the first thing. But it still didn't go away, and I kept having this nagging thought at me. And in the end, I gave up and spoke to Richard about it. And the rest, as you say, is history. You may ask, why was I so reluctant to follow this call? Why did I not immediately say, yes, God? But various thoughts went through my mind. I'm not equipped to do this. There's much better people to do this than me. I can't speak, I don't have the time, I may be useless, I'm too old, people won't listen, etc., etc., etc. Now, some of you may be aware that actually numbers and maths is my passion, not words. Yet, what I can say is this once I said yes to God, He has continued to equip and empower me to carry out this task. And God will help to equip and empower all of us for whatever task he calls, no matter how large or small they may seem to be. We may say we're too old, we can't do much, but the most powerful thing we can do is to be called to pray for God's work. And it comes to no surprise to me that things are starting to move here in Skipton as the church has started to be committed to praying more together. So is God calling you or me to action or to prayer? What is our response to God's call? All I could say is just speak to somebody about your thoughts, your fears, your vision and your prompting and trust God and put your call into action. The second reading is from Romans chapter 8, and I'm reading from verses 35 to 39. And if you wish to follow, you can find it on page 138 in the New Testament section of the Pew Bible. Romans 8, and beginning at the 35th verse. Then what can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or hardship? Can persecution, hunger, nakedness, danger or sword? We are being done to death for your sake all day long. As scripture says, we have been treated like sheep for slaughter. And yet, throughout it all, Overwhelming victory is ours through him who loved us. For I am convinced that there is nothing in death or life, in the realms of, a realm of spirits or superhuman powers, in the world as it is or the world as it shall be, in the forces of the universe, in heights or depths, nothing in all creation that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. That passage we've just heard is one of the most precious passages in the Bible for me because it reminds me that wherever I go, whatever I do, 
however I act or behave, however far I try to run away from God, whatever my external, internal circumstances, God's love will reach me through Jesus Christ my Lord. There is no circumstance or situation when I can ever be separated from his love. And the same is true from us all. We can turn away from God and ignore him, but he is always there, loving us. So when Jonah ran away from God and disobeyed him, God saved him. Even when Jonah was in the midst of fear and danger, Jonah spoke of his God and the sailors turned to him. Even as Jonah was going down into the very depths of the sea, the Lord God sent the big fish to rescue him. God cared for him from the depths of the sea. So do we love God? Because God loves us and wants us all to love him more. And the big question, what is God calling us as individuals and St. Andrews to do? And as we take these first steps to check out our calling, our service, and to be moved into action, may we remember that the God who calls us walks with us every step of the way. And his love and power will envelop us as we step out in response to his call. So may we be ready and open to hear God, being assured of his presence as we ponder this question. What is God calling you and me to do? And the church here at St. Andrews in Skipton. What is he calling us to do next? And may God bless us as we wrestle to answer this question. Amen.